Hello and welcome to this week's Unreported World podcast. I'm Krishnan Girimurthy. In this episode, reporter Peter Oborn and director James Jones reveal the huge personality cult around Vladimir Putin as they follow the extraordinary actions of the mass youth movement dedicated to protecting the interests of the Prime Minister and of Russia. As Putin announces his intention to return as president next year, Unreported World meets some of the young people who are utterly devoted to him, have seemingly limitless resources and appear to be above the law. We joined members of the Putin youth movement called Nashi on the streets of Moscow. They were spraying anti-American slogans in front of the US embassy. What the hell do you think you're doing? You're trying to rough people up. The police have been called to keep order. I'm going to check your papers now. But who was really in control? What are you going to do to me, eh? Get out of here. The Russian police are notoriously brutal. And yet, what we've just watched here is the policemen being bullied, pushed around by the students, and no reprisal at all. It's quite clear who's in charge. Every time the police tried to move them on, they were surrounded, filmed, and forced to show their documents. The policemen seemed frightened they knew Nashi could count on powerful political backing. Nashi, which means our people, was set up six years ago by the Ministry of Youth. It has over 100,000 members throughout Russia. The national leader, known as the Commissar, is 28-year-old Masha Kislitsina. I'm sure that these officers support our actions because they too want to live in a strong country. Masha and her deputy Tikhon Chumakov have been hand-picked as the new political elite in Putin's Russia. They are likely to form the next generation of leaders and they acted as if they were above the law. I saw you chasing a policeman down the street. What was going on there? I wouldn't say I chased after him. Masha Kislitsina was the daughter of a struggling single mother. Her teens were spent living in dire poverty as Russia collapsed into anarchy after the fall of communism. Life was very hard in the 90s. When Putin arrived, everything changed. The huge changes for my family happened when Putin arrived. For many of her generation, Putin was the salvation of Russia after he became president 11 years ago. Nashi report to and are supervised by Putin's youth minister. I want a man like Putin, a man like Putin full of strength, a man like Putin who does not drink, a man like Putin who doesn't make me sad, a man like Putin who doesn't run away, a man like Putin. I really love Putin, he's the coolest. Putin is best. We trust Putin. We joined them as they headed to the outskirts of Moscow for their next action. 
a term they used to describe their daily battle to combat what they saw as antisocial behavior by businesses or individuals. Today's target was a group of men Nashi claimed were illegally running car repair businesses on designated parkland. Many were veterans of the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. They said they had built their garages after they returned from the war. Once again, Masha Kislitsina was organizing the activists. What's happening? We've blocked the entrance and we're not letting any cars in, so they're going to lose money and we're going to do this until they can't afford to carry on and they'll have to move. The garage owners said they'd been there for 30 years and they were the legal owners of the properties. They claimed they were being intimidated by officials who managed the park. Before this, people came demanding money from each garage and they warned of trouble if we didn't pay up. And then these guys started showing up. Nashi demanded documents from the garage owners on behalf of the National Park. They'd even been given official papers which said they had the power of arrest. We have the right to check documents and arrest people who don't have them. That means we can arrest you. They went from garage to garage. It was chilling to watch the Putin youth members threatening to destroy the lives of these men. All the garage owners here tell us the same story. They were approached a few weeks ago and asked to pay a thousand rubles a month starting on 1st of September. 1st of September has come and gone and now they're getting these visits from Nashi. Clearly someone at the top gave the order for them to do this. They wouldn't have thought of it themselves. Why have they decided to come now? I'm fighting, so you can't keep breaking the law here. We're not breaking the law. It's the people at the top breaking the law. We're just little people trying to make a living. Masha had no sympathy for the predicament of the garage owners. You don't know how to answer for yourself. You're in a very unmanly position. I pity you. Masha and the park authorities said they'd no knowledge of the demand for payments, but insisted the garage owners had no right to be there. Nashi were more than pleased with their day's work. Nashi, the only movement going forward. Nashi, there's no other way. Nashi, our people are always behind us. Nashi, it's our year. Masha Kislitsina invited us back to Nashi's national headquarters, a five-floor building in the heart of Moscow, worth over $20 million. She told us they are partly funded by the state. They're also reportedly backed by pro-government businessmen. On the walls were murals of Putin and quotes from his speeches, reminiscent of Soviet-era propaganda. Masha, how do you do? Masha studied public relations at university. She said her mother had doubts when she first joined Nashi. But she had done so well since that she was now paid to run the organization full-time. Most of the other members were young university students who came from all over the country. 
Every Friday night, Nashi has a sort of political discussion meeting. We're going to go into it now. There are Nashi headquarters throughout Russia. They post YouTube clips of the actions they had taken that week. Masha started this briefing with footage of their stunt at the American embassy, accompanied by an old Soviet anthem. The video ended with their slogan being covered up with black paint. The colour black is more appropriate to the current situation in America. It's more politically correct. When the last president was in power, white was a more appropriate colour. It was clear there was an underlying mood of racism amongst some members of the briefing. Kill all What's that in English? Critics say Nash's true function is to build a personality cult for Vladimir Putin while intimidating and harassing his opponents. 25-year-old Dmitry Pankov came forward to detail what he'd done that week. Dmitry described the progress of his stalking campaign against former Prime Minister Boris Nemtsov, now an opposition leader. Upstairs, I spoke to two of Putin's most die-hard devotees, 21-year-olds Victoria Mozenica and Oksana Mitropanova, both hailed from provincial towns. They believed that Putin would restore pride and prosperity to Russia. Joining Nashi was a way to express their adoration. I worship Putin. I think he is a wonderful man, the most worthy politician. I am a fanatic. When he is behind the wheel, Russia will be strong. Forward Russia. He is very clever, strong-willed. He knows Russia's problems and how to solve them. You can't be afraid with him in charge. Here's another one. Victoria and Oksana showed me their favourite pictures of Putin, which have helped to create his personality cult. Earlier this year, Putin miraculously recovered two ancient vases from the bottom of the ocean. Fortunately, cameras were on hand to capture this historic moment. Lots of people go diving and find nothing. It is amazing that Putin found it. It is a sign. It's not a coincidence. It's very significant. He looks so determined. See the look on his face. Recently, Putin's spokesman admitted the diving discovery was staged. Putin seems to be an archetypal figure of a sort which occurs throughout Russian history. A strong man with mystical powers attracting uncritical devotion from his followers. Putin's spokesman admits that Nashi pushed the boundaries of the law, but describes them as just a bunch of kids. Some say there is a more sinister side to the organization. I met Oleg Kashin, a journalist who had written a critical article about a business project of one of Putin's allies. Soon afterwards, he was brutally beaten up. 
A man was waiting with a bouquet of flowers. He dropped the flowers and hit me with a knuckle duster in the face. So who do you think was really responsible for the attack on you here by this gate? I think Nashi were most likely behind the attack on me. Oleg showed me the CCTV footage of the assault. Can you tell us what's happening here? That's me. Uh, no, no, that's man with the flowers and that's me. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, they're not hitting you both of these really hard on the back of the head. Oleg lay in a coma in hospital for three days with two broken legs and a broken jaw. Bang, bang, breaking your legs. Paramedics told Oleg that if they had arrived a minute later, he wouldn't have survived. Again and again on the skull. Terrible. Nashi said they denounce violence and deny any involvement in Oleg's attack. They're pulling your body they away. And I, I try to stand, and it's, I can't. The next day, we set off to meet up again with Masha Kizlitsina, the Putin Youth Commissar. She was planning another action. We met the Nashi members north of Moscow, where a controversial toll road is being bulldozed through ancient forests. One of the biggest investors in the road is Vladimir Putin's judo partner, Arkady Rottenberg. The Nashi members told me they'd come to pick up litter. They also seemed keen to confront the environmental protesters set on blocking the project. You're pretending you're green, as if you've come to help the environment. Once again, the Putin youth were challenging people who didn't have allies in high places. Hey, get out of my face. Don't harass me. When there are lots of us, they don't cause trouble. When there aren't many, they do nasty things. To be honest, they're like Hitler Youth. How much do they pay you for these actions, guys? That's because you can't clean up after yourselves. We clean up all summer. Calm down, calm down. You calm down. Get out of here. Masha Kozlitsina views opposition voices with contempt. They have no part in her vision for Putin's Russia. They are political clowns, people who want to score political points from the environment. What do you say to those who say that you are used by big business, some of whom have links with the Kremlin? Big businessmen give us money, but they don't give us specific instructions. Well, say in the garages, people who have a commercial interest in getting rid of the garages, replacing them with something else. No one told us to go to the garages. There was no order. I also wanted to ask Masha about the horrific assault on the journalist Oleg Kashin. What is your attitude to Oleg Kashin? The people say that Nasi boasted about the fact that he got beaten up. The court hasn't yet proved anything. These are just accusations. In central Moscow, I came to see Vladimir Putin launching a new political party in the run-up to the elections. To Putin's opponents, the Nashi youth movement is his private army, empowered to break the law with impunity. 
but there's another organization they fear more. Putin is a former director of Russia's security service, the FSB, successor to the notorious KGB. It's still based here at the Lubyanka building. Critics say, just as with Nashi, he uses the FSB to silence opposition and further the business interests of his allies. Every Wednesday evening, a group of wives meet in this Moscow restaurant. Many of them say Russia's security service, the FSB, have arranged for their husbands to be jailed on trumped-up charges. I was so worried that I was ill for days. I can't express what I felt. In some cases, they say their husbands were jailed because they posed a political threat, or just because the men who run Putin's Russia want a slice of their companies. The inspiration for these dinners was Olga Romanova, a financial journalist whose husband had been in prison for three years. I went back to Olga's to find out about her husband and her fight to free him. Until three years ago, her husband Alexei ran a successful construction business. Then, Olga wrote an article about the business dealings of Modashov, an ally of Vladimir Putin. She said that soon after, an official close to Putin made a menacing call to Alexei's business partner, who passed the message on. He told my husband he had to choose. Either he had to leave his wife, who he had allowed to write about Putin, or to stop being his business partner. So what happened next? So when, what did your husband do when he was given this choice between uh, divorcing you and getting out of the business? I was amazed he didn't even want to discuss us getting divorced. I thought he was more rational. Soon after, the FSB investigated him and he was sentenced to eight years for fraud. In Russia, few people regard the courts as independent of the state. So who is it that's bringing charges against your husband? The K department of the FSB. It's the same unit that has jailed people for political and commercial reasons before us and is still doing it now. Olga believes Putin was guilty of allowing businesses to be unfairly seized to enrich his allies. Putin Putin's FSB cronies are ideologically loyal, so they are allowed to earn infinite money. For the past three years, Olga has been helping her husband overturn his conviction. Today, she was going to the post office to find out news of the court appeal. I am desperate to read the letter from the court. I know that the Supreme Court is my last chance. I know that in court he might be acquitted. Rejection, rejection, rejection. I'm very upset with this decision. That's it. 
I can't fight anymore. They've basically thrown out her appeal, and uh, it's pretty hard, it's pretty tough. It uh, looks like resigning them to another awful court battle and potentially years more in that Siberian jail. An organization which protects small firms estimates that one in six Russian businessmen are in jail. Many of the charges are believed to be baseless. Putin denies allegations that the FSB are taking over Russian businesses illegally. He says he's unfairly criticized by what he describes as a category of people known as rights activists. But there's still anger on the streets. We've just heard there's a rally here in the center of Moscow of small investors who believe they've been ripped off by big business interests. We've come to investigate. These protesters bought apartments in a government-backed housing scheme, but the scheme went bust, their money disappeared, and the government walked away. The government says the guarantee no longer applies. They took our money with a government guarantee. We've gone six years with no money, no home, and no right to protest. Within minutes, the riot police moved in. Modern Russia is run by a powerful clique of friends of Vladimir Putin. If you stay in with them, you're safe. But fall out with them and the consequences can be dire. Shame on you. Shame on you. Why are you taking me? But justice is not entirely forgotten, even in Putin's Russia. Three days after we'd seen Olga, she'd received an unexpected summons to the Supreme Court. Her husband's case had been reviewed a second time. Somewhere here, my fate awaits me. After a few minutes, Olga and her lawyer return. What have we got here? Is it good news? It's good news. It's very good news. What is it? The Supreme Court says the evidence was falsified. So the court accepts your husband was telling the truth? Are they saying he's innocent? Absolutely. They're saying he's innocent? I can go and get him in two weeks. Now I need to survive for two weeks. That's fantastic. <laughs> It says you didn't steal the shares, you bought them. Alexei calls Olga to find out the news. Now I'm going to start crying. I've got to try and keep it together. Putin's decision to run for president has caused many to fear that Russia is entering a new dark age. But the story of Alexei and Olga suggests that there might still be hope. Our thanks to Peter O'Born in Russia. On next week's Unreported World, Aidan Hartley is in Gaza, 
meeting the members of the Palestinian Paralympic team, hoping to qualify for London 2012. Until then, you can catch up with all the latest from the series at channel4.com slash unreportedworld. For now, though, from me, Krishnan Gurumurthy, goodbye. <laughs>